بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا آف جانوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوئنٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu. And I spent a few sessions in which we've taken a glimpse into our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's love for the blessed household of Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu. So to mention one more report in this area, when our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa married his noble wives radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, The blessed name of Sayyida Umm Sulaim radiyallahu frequently emerges. For instance, in Sayyih Bukhari and Sayyih Muslim, Mishkat volume 4 number 148 in the chapter on his miracles, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sayyidina Anas, he relates radiyallahu, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was betrothed to Zainab bin Jahsh radiyallahu, my mother Umm Sulaim radiyallahu got some dates ghee and cheese which she prepared haste and <coughs> placed it in a cup so this was the marriage of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and zainab bin jahsh radiyallahu and this time um sulaim radiyallahu gets some sort of kind of we call it kheer like a pudding dates ghee and cheese and she placed it in a cup she then upon said oh anas radiyallahu take this to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and say, my mother has sent me to you with this and she gives you her salam. Then say, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this small gift is for you from us. Thus I went and informed him of this. So, Umm Sulaim radiyallahu she wanted Anas and notice Anas is always there in the middle of all these extraordinary events because give my salam to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and say this is a small gift from us to you he sallallahu alaihi wasallam he smiled and he said put it down o anas and go and call to me so and so so and so and so and so and also call all those whom you meet on your way to me as well so again a small container of some sort of hayes pudding. But this time the Prophet said, he mentioned names. He goes, go and call this companion, this companion, and anybody you meet on the way, tell them to come as well. Hence, I called those whom he mentioned, and also those whom I met. I returned. Subhanallah, the house was now overcrowded with the people. Somebody thereupon asked Anas, how many were you in number? He replied, about 300. <laughs> so Anas is asked, and obviously you see a huge crowd, you have to estimate. So he goes, I think it's about 300. I saw the Prophet ﷺ placing his blessed hand upon that food. And he uttered what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wished. Thereupon, He وسلم, began to call ten by ten to eat from there from, from say and said to them, 
take the name of Allah and let everyone eat what is closest to him. So like in the report I mentioned yesterday or the day before, he mentioned bring ten in and he told them to take the name of Allah and eat what is closest. They all ate till they were satiated. So the ten came in, they ate to their fill. They left, the next ten came in. So if there was 300, this happened 30 times. And they all ate to their fill. A batch came out, another entered till they all eventually ate. He said, Allah, thereupon finally said to me, O Anas, raise up the cup. Subhanallah, I do not know whether it was heavier when I put it down or when I raised it up. So Anas look at the Prophet got this point across. He goes, Where the cup? <coughs> you brought it. So he knew roughly what the weight was. And he goes, When I lifted it, I can't remember. It, I think it might be heavier now, but I'm not sure. So where's this recorded? It's recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. So a few sessions back, I mentioned that he was the first to hear the verses of the hijab. And he was very proud of that. This is the same incident. So note a miracle also took place. And the guests were partaking of these incredible miracles, which Allah was honoring his beloved with. So note Umm Sulaim, even when the Prophet was getting married, she was there, i.e. <coughs> serving the Prophet So moving on to the next section, entitled, The Blessed Family Seeking Tabarrak from Rasulullah So what is Tabarrak? Tabarrak is to seek blessings from what has touched the sacred body of the Holy Prophets and in extension the righteous or from their belongings. So should we find this strange? No. Two examples famously are mentioned in the Quran. One is the blessed Ark of the Covenant, the Tabut, in which there was the staffs of Musa and Harun the manna and salwa and other things and this Ark of the Covenant was given to the Bani Israel and wherever they went, they were victorious. So they were using it as the Barak. The Quran clearly mentions it. The other famous example is the shirt of Yusuf. When Yaqub became uh, blind for his love out of losing his son Yusuf, Yusuf told his brothers, take my shirt, cast it over my father's face, he will regain his sight. And when this happened, he regained his sight. And what was that? That was the tabarrak of the shirt of Yusuf. So the Quran mentions it. So even before going to the hadiths, it's important to highlight that. This is part of our teachings. Sayyidina Anas and his blessed family would seek tabarrak from what touched the sacred body of our beloved messenger or from his belongings. For instance, Sayyidina Anas himself relates to the Allah. Rasulullah he once came to see Umm Sulaim and there was a small leather bag of water hanging in the dwelling. He drank from this leather bag while standing. I thereupon saw my mother Umm Sulaim cut off the mouth of the leather bag so it is still with us, I for blessings. This is recorded in Tirmidhi in his Shama'il number 205. Ahmad in his Musnad 
3-119-6-431 Abu Dawood At-Tayalasi in his Muslim number 1650 Tabrani in his Osid number 658 or 1-379 Tabrani in his Kabir 25-127 So again note the Prophet enters the dwelling and he drinks from a small leather bag of water he drinks standing So the scholars point out that you can drink standing Occasionally there is no harm However, the usual practice and what's greatly recommended is to drink city. But now, look how interesting. Why did Um Sulaim basically ruin the small leather bag? She cut off the mouth of the leather bag. So she ruined it. But did she ruin it? No. She wanted it for blessings. So what was she doing there? So note... If you go through the lives of the elite, you realize this is part of our teachings. What was she doing? You ask a person, what did she do then? Did she do a foolish act? And the answer is, worldly sense, yes. But what was she doing that for? And Anas explained, it was for blessings. The same is related about Sayyida Qabsha and Sariya. The report says, she cut off the mouth of the water bag on account of its blessing, for the Prophet's mouth had touched it. So the Lord is. This is in Tirmidhi, number 1892, Hassan Sahih Ghadib, Ibn Imaj, number 3423, Sahih. Ahmad in his Musnad, 6-434, Tabrani in his Kabir, 25-15, Ibn Hiban in his Sahih, number 5380, Hafiz Baghubi in his Sharh Sunnah, number 3042, Hafiz Humaydi in his Musnad, number 354, or 1-172. So this was another incident. So this female companion called Sayyida Qabsha Ansariya, she did exactly the same. She cut off the mouth of the water bag because the Prophet's blessed mouth had touched it. So again, what were they doing the companions? They were uh, securing the blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another example. In Sayyid Muslim, number 6056, Anas radiya he Rasulullah he used to enter the dwelling of my mother Um Sulaim and sleep on her bedding when she was not there. He came one day and slept as usual on her bedding. She arrived and was informed, Rasulullah is sleeping in your dwelling on your bedding. So something the report. So note again, she's mahram, right? And I've mentioned how that relationship is. So this is important to highlight here because the Prophet was treating her house like his own. Um Sulaim came and he be, had begun to sweat whilst asleep and the sweat had fallen onto the leather cloth that was on the bedding. She immediately opened her jewelry box and started to wipe the sweat and squeeze it into her bottles of perfume. So what was the bedding? The bedding was on the floor. This is important to highlight. I was not thinking four-poster bed. But there was a leather... And this shows her intelligence because she knew the Prophet would come and water otherwise gets soaked in. Well, leather doesn't soak water. So she was deliberately doing that to, to trap the sweat of the Prophet When the sweat was on the leather, she squeezed it into bottles and look how interesting. She put it into the perfume box. The Prophet awoke and he said, What are you doing, O Um Salim? She replied, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa We hope for blessing for our children. 
The Prophet said, Asad, you have done right. So now look how strange the whole conversation is. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so she didn't say, Oh, Tabarrak, Ya Rasulullah. Because obviously she knew what it was. But she explained what she was going to do with it. Because I'm securing your sweat so that the children would be blessed. The Prophet didn't say, Shirk. <laughs> like some fruit cakes are coming out with. Or, Bidat, did I tell you to do it? He said, Asad. Because you did correctly, meaning you're intelligent. So what is that? Tabarruk. In another report, Um Sulaim responded, This is your sweat. And we put it in our perfume, for it is amongst the best of fragrances. This is in Sayyid Muslim, number 6055. Ahmad in his Musnad 3-136. So she said that your sweat overpowers the perfume and it increases the length of the perfume. So she actually gave a logical answer as well. She goes, I want to extend the other. And note, this is not normal in the least. The sweat smell like musk. Show me this person. What's interesting is they've discovered that sweat is a is like your fingerprint. Everybody has their own special scent. But we're not asking about that. We're asking about the, the scent, the smell of it. Nobody would say musk. The closest you probably get is the chul. But that's not sweat. That's just the natural smell that comes of the innocent chul. But the sweat of the Prophet was more powerful than musk. One report says that his hand, which I'm going to come to, was three times more aromatic than musk. Three times. Similarly, Thumama, Rahmatullah relates to Anas radiyallahu Um Sulaim radiyallahu used to spread a leather mattress for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi where he enjoyed his kailula, his midday nap. When he would awake, sallallahu alayhi wa I would collect his sweat and his hair, put these into a bottle and blended them with perfume. Thumama added, when Anas was on the brink of death, he will that that scent be applied to his shroud. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 5,125. So again, note the Jahiliya again emerging. A lot of people, they don't, they don't even know about this. Because what's this, right? Where is in the Sayyid? Don't you know about this? So this is Tabarruk. But note in this hadith, Anas, he said, I got his hair as well. Because I put the hair of the Prophet into the, the perfume bottle and I blended it also with a bit of perfume so what's in the bottle the sweat perfume and hair of the Prophet and look what Thumama said the student of Anas he goes when Anas was on the on his deathbed he willed that the scent be applied to his shroud hang on a minute Anas was on his deathbed that was 80 years later he goes what was he doing with that bottle there you go Subhanallah, Anas radiyallahu preserved and looked after this priceless blessing for over 80 years. For he passed away around the centurion. Now think about that. Is that normal? You collect somebody's sweat, how long is it going to last? It's even a strange question to ask. Were you even asking that question? I don't want to collect sweat. And, I, and then he goes, well, if you did, how long will it last? Why would I want sweat? 
And he goes, forget that, but how will it last? He goes, I don't know, brother. You know, a week, right? He goes, a bit longer. Month, longer, year, longer, century. And that's the prophet's way. Did the scent go away? Never. The hair of Rasulullah was also in the ball. Imagine, right? Normally, hair is something that troubles people. You take it out. He's putting it in. Radiyallahu. Subhanallah, with regards to Rasulullah's sweat, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sayyidina Wa'il said, Radiyallahu, the sweat of his hand was three times more aromatic than musk. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir. Now, what does that mean? Now, why do I say what does that mean? Because what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? The best of your perfumes is musk. This is in Sayyid Muslim, Abu Dawood, number 3152. So, first of all, hang on a minute. If the best perfume is musk, and Rasulullah said that, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then what does it mean that it's three times more aromatic than musk? Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. Right? When you say the best of the best, even that's not appropriate for the Prophet. If you take this narration literally, the best of the best of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. That was the sweat. And now question, do your hands sweat? Sweat is usually forehead, you know, I don't know, jism. Somebody goes, let me look at your hand. What are you looking at my hand for? So even that's strange. But then you go, okay, his hand sweat. Have you got sweat glands on your hand? I don't know, ask the doctors. But then you say, right, what did it smell of? What did it smell of? Three times more aromatic than musk. And the Prophet said, the best of your perfume is musk. Sayyidina Wa'il also said that the Allah, I once shook his hands, and my hands remained fragrant for three days. This is in Tabarani in this Kabir, number 17,536. So I don't know how much atta you're going to your hand, brother. Because, brother, when I shake your hand, I want my hands to smell of that scent for three days. You're going to have to get jet wash out, brother. Right? Somebody goes, even then it's going to wear out. And somebody goes, three days, even three hours, may probably is gone. What about wudu? That's going to get rid of it. Are you going to be in wudu for three days? Ghusl. So, what's going on? He goes, three days, my hand still smell of the blessed scent. Jabir famously said, in Darimi and Mishkat, a person would recognize where he walked by the lingering fragrance. <laughs> a person would recognize where he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam walked by the lingering fragrance. Again, in fact, there's a report. A stranger came. He wanted to see the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. A Sahaba goes, follow the scent. <laughs> now, just take that out of context. I'm looking for so-and-so. Follow the scent. What would you say to that? What are you talking about? What scent? You know that pleasant scent? Can you smell it? Oh yeah, it's like a musk bowl. Yeah, mashallah. Just keep following it. And when it gets stronger, you'll find it. Is that normal? Think about that. When you say he's a human being, like people, you know, he, of course he's a human being, but is he anything like a normal human being? Right? So note, he goes, follow the scent. Then what about when you get to the person himself? That's following the scent. Then what about touching his holy body? Then what happens? In fact, there's a report where our mother, Sayyidah Um Salama, in Ibn Majah, she goes, when Rasulullah passed away, I put my hand on his chest, and the scent has never left me to this day. 
So this is either in Ibn Majah or in Imam Ahmad's Musnad. Now what does that mean? Um Salama, Radiyallahuma, she was the last of the mother to leave. She passed away after Hussein's martyrdom. She lived another 50 plus years after the Prophet The son never left. How many ghusls did our mother have after that? How many wudu did she perform after that? Never left her hand. And that's when Rasulullah has left the world. So even when his holy soul had left his body, his body was still profusely emitting musk. People say it was his soul. No, it wasn't. It was his body as well, because that's now his body. That Allah You could argue the prophets are alive. Right? But the prophet clearly mentioned he left the world at the time, So note, Anas very intelligently gathered that with his blessed mother and the hair of the Prophet. So that was his scent. What were they using it for? His sweat, the barrok. Let's turn to his saliva. In Behaki Abu Nu'im, half his Shami in his Sirat Qadi Iyad in his Shafa, page 183 of the English translation, Anas radiallahu said, There was a well in our vicinity in which Rasulullah once spat into the water. Subhanallah, thereafter it became the sweetest water in the entire city of Al Madinah. So now, this is the, he, he summarized the report here, Anas. The well actually was quite bitter. The water wasn't pleasant. So they asked the Prophet to attend. So what did the Prophet do? Look how strange. He spat into the water. So it's actually a sunnah of the Prophet. People say the people of paradise don't spit. That's correct. But the Prophet spat. He goes, Astaghfirullah, what are saying? He goes, because in the world he did, the hadith mentions it, but he did it for a reason. And then what happened? How much saliva of the Prophet was in the well? Just a little bit. That made it the sweetest water in the entire city. So imagine that well where people would think, well, the water's a bit, you know, it's a bit bitter, isn't it? Next minute, have you put honey in it? And he goes, no, no, it's not honey. And to this day, that well is there. So even though the uh, authorities are trying to uh, clamp down and what, I don't know, clamp down and shirk, they say. Right? So note, and how many years have passed since the Prophet left the world? Over 1,400, he's still there. Sweetest water in al Madinah. Really, this should not come as any surprise. Why? For Anas radiyallahu said, I smelled all the beautiful fragrances. But subhanallah, the fragrant smell that emanated from the blessed mouth of Rasulullah excelled them all. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in his tabakat, Hafi Shami in his seerat. Now look what he said to Anas. He goes, I smell all the fragrances. He was blessed with wealth. And people who have got wealth, and they are known to very particular about their their attire. They have the best, most choicest fragrances. I smell them all. The fragrant smell that came from the mouth. What was he talking about? The saliva. This fragrant smell that came from his holy mouth. He goes, is unsurpassable. He goes, this is what's coming out of his holy mouth. Said Allah, he said. And another report to highlight this. In Behaki, in his Delay in Nubu'a al-Istiyah, three wives of Utba ibn Farqat once complained his fragrance was dominant. So this Sahabu called Utba ibn Farqat, he was blasting with Atr. And his three wives, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't dominate him. To which he replied, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa once put some of his saliva on his palm. 
and rubbed it on my stomach when I was ill. I have thus now retained that fragrance to this day. <laughs> now look how interesting. Women, they've got cabinets. You know, you see it. You know, what's this? Oh, this is that perfume and this is that designer label and this is... And you get a little bottle, you know, after we go in it, mashallah. Right? Three for the pound, right? And then you look, look at the cabinet. So these women, imagine, they couldn't be the husband because what's he put on? So what would dominate? Imagine, you, you see women, astaghfirullah, you know, obviously, may Allah give them hidayat, but when you walk past, you get that waft. Like, you know, has she been swimming in it? Utba ibn Farqat, his fragrance was dominant. So the wise got fed up. Because tell us what you're wearing. He wasn't wearing anything. Because I was ill. The Prophet put some of his saliva on his palm, wiped it over my stomach, and he goes, that's it. In other words, be that. So, now think about that. What is his saliva? His saliva is beyond comprehension. It is also related in Tabarani and Abu Na'im. Rasulullah once gave to five fortunate sisters some dry meat that he was chewing. Subhanallah, from that day on, until they passed away, the scent of their breaths never changed. So this is very strange. He's eating some meat, the Prophet and they wanted it. Five sisters. So he gave the meat. I don't know what they did with it. Did they pass it on, chew it, and then pass it on to the next one? Or did they split into five parts? I have no idea. They chewed that meat, and until the day they left the world, their breath was forever fragrant. <laughs> Why did they ask for their chewed meat in the mouth of the Prophet? They're allowed because they knew <laughs> the barak, and the Prophet didn't mind. <laughs> and this is something that's strange, you know, because obviously you don't ask your sheikhs to do this, this be a dub. But because he's Rasulullah, they were going the extra yard because, yeah, Rasul, please, if you can give us that meat. In fact, there's a report to finish. And this woman, she was the most foul-mouthed woman of al Madina. the Hadith says in Tabarani. Wretched character. So she saw the Prophet and she goes, give me something to eat. So the Prophet was going to give her some date. And she goes, no, no, I don't want the date. I want what's in your mouth. So the Prophet I don't know what it was. He took the food and she chewed it. Then she scampered away. People go, where is she gone? Then the report says there was nobody more bashful than her in the entire city of al Madinah from that day onwards. So now this report explains something very interesting. The saliva of Rasulullah wasn't just for physical illnesses. People stress that a lot. His leg was broken, saliva was put on it, his leg was recovered. Ali's eyes was in, you know, he had you know a problem with his eyes, wife, saliva, saliva was what he got. And people then think, oh, it's all about physical illnesses. Did that woman have a, uh, a physical illness? No, it was a spiritual illness. Did the saliva of Rasulullah cure it? Yes. Look how amazing. So that woman became the most bashful and this wasn't, you know, Barnsley, right? This was Al-Madina. How many bashful women were there? And there was nobody more bashful than her. So what does that tell you about the saliva of Rasulullah? Beyond comprehension. That Allah And if you break it down, there is nothing from the top, from the tip of his blessed head to the sole of his feet that is like you. That's what it boils down to. Allah Ta'ala made him perfect in every respect. And this is why the Quran says, we have we have ennobled the children of Adam. We have given them honor. 
means we've ennobled and blessed them. Who is the Sayyid? Allah is talking there in the Quran. We've, because we've ennobled them. So he goes, let's go to the Sayyid of the children of Adam. And then you say, has he been blessed? They go, subhanAllah. And that's why the ulama said, only prophets come from human beings. Not even the jinn were given the honor. Why? Because jinn went honored. Right? That's interesting. But there is a view. Some of the ulama said prior to the descent of the human beings, maybe prophets were sent to the jinn amongst their own. And the remnants, they say, of this are these idols that the Hindus still worship. Because that may have been their prophets. But this was before Adam was sent down. And there's a view. But when Adam came, it stopped. And only the prophets came amongst the humans. So all I mentioned today was predominantly now talking about the blessed family seeking the barak from the blessed being of our beloved messenger. And notice, it's part of our deen. Anybody who rejects this is either ignorant or he's a shaitan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us from misguidance. Are there any questions you like? Subhanallah